I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Hi, everybody. Yesterday at Smirconish.com, 6,091 votes were cast on the survey question, should President Biden extend the August 31 deadline to end the Afghanistan evacuation? 57.61% said Yes, he should extend that deadline. 42.39% said no, he should not. Uh, I want to talk data before welcoming a special guest. I want to talk about numbers. It's been very hard to crunch numbers about the events in Afghanistan. I don't think that's because of obfuscation on the part of the Biden administration. I think, frankly, it's a reflection of the chaos on the ground and the difficulty in getting a firm handle on the numbers related to the situation. But the first number I would offer you is 36. That's the amount of time, 36 hours, that's the amount of time left in the evacuation mission, according to CNN reports today. By my calculation, that would be tomorrow night, Friday night, our time. The second number is 82,300. That's the number of people the Biden administration says They've evacuated since August 14. That's the day before Kabul fell to the Taliban. 4,500 were American citizens, with 500 more expected to depart soon. 90 is another number. 90 U.S. and allied planes have flown an estimated 19,200 people out in the last 24 hours. At least 500 were American citizens and their families. 500 is the number that U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said the number of Americans who need help at this moment getting to the airport, 500. Blinken also made clear yesterday that there's no deadline for the 500, meaning notwithstanding the 36 hours, the Biden administration will continue to work in support of any U.S. citizen whenever it is they decide to get out of Afghanistan. The New York Times is reporting that there are about a thousand American citizens still be believed to be in Afghanistan who they've not been able to make contact with in seeking to provide assistance for evacuation. I hope I'm not giving you too many conflicting data points, but here's another 1800. 1800 is the number of local U.S. Embassy Afghan staff who still need to get to the airport. They've, they're the ones who've got the 36 hours to do it. Uh, they seem to be a current priority. 
And all of this playing itself out against the backdrop of a group called ISIS-K, said to be created by disaffected Pakistani Taliban who could seek to capitalize on the situation at the Kabul airport by launching a terror strike against those who are seeking to get out. Uh, One other element related to all of this from the Wall Street Journal today, the story is posted at Smirconish.com. Eric Prince, the American defense contractor, said that he was offering people seats on a chartered plane out of Kabul for $6,500 per person. U.S. and NATO forces are sending special rescue teams into Taliban-controlled areas of the city to spirit their citizens into the airport, and countless Afghans who thought the U.S. would protect them after having assisted the U.S.-led coalition in the last two decades now realizing they will mostly be left behind. All great fodder, great subject matter for Mark Polymeropoulos, Mark retired from the senior intelligence service ranks in 2019 after serving for 26 years in the intelligence community in operational field and leadership assignments. He's an expert in counterterrorism, covert action, and human intelligence collection. He's one of the IC's most highly decorated field officers, has honed a unique leadership style based on decision-making under pressure, has written a book called Clarity in Crisis, Leadership Lessons from the CIA. It was published this past June by HarperCollins. Hey, Mark, thank you so much for being a part of the program. Thanks for having me, and, uh, and what an introduction you made there with the, with the situation on the ground, which is to say messy and complicated is, uh, is probably an understatement. Well, what number most stands out to you, given your on-the-ground experience? Sure. So, well, the the key number that you said before was 36, which is the number of hours left. And also, I I throw a number out, you know, in the 80 to 90,000 range, which is that's the remaining Afghan allies and their families that we need to get out. And and the reason why I see I take this personally. You know, I served as a base chief in Afghanistan, running a CIA paramilitary base for an entire year along the Pak-Afghan border. There was only a couple Americans, and we had hundreds of Afghan forces. And these indigenous units saved my life. So I, I take it personally, and I see their faces now. And, and I think amongst the, the special operations and intelligence community, there's a lot of raw and hard feelings that if we leave these individuals behind, you know, this is going to be a moral stain on America. I know it's difficult. We only have 36 hours. The situation is very fluid. But, but boy, you know, I, I see the faces of these, these Afghans in my sleep, and I think we have to do everything we can to get them out. Okay, pardon my naivete, but why all the rush? If I'm the Taliban, I'm getting everything I wanted. Why aren't I happy to just extend for another 30 days whatever the Americans need? Because in 30 days, we own the country. Right, and what a great question. And I think that this goes to, you know, uh, 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 you have to take a look at kind of the inter, inter you know, uh, uh, Taliban dynamics. So, so the Taliban is not a monolithic organization. You know, Mullah Berater, who is the, the kind of the political chief, who's the one, that's the individual CIA director Bill Burns went to meet the other day. That's the individual who participated in the Doha talk, you know, which, which led to this, this, what I would say is a flawed agreement. But ultimately, there are different wings of the Taliban, and there is much more militant wing, militant wing, much more, you know, kind of a younger generation who really do want us out. And so within the Taliban itself, uh, you know, there is enormous pressure to get the United States out. I think that moderates, and Mullah Berater is a moderate, you know, perhaps would be able to, to stomach us staying a little longer. The kind of the, the kind of lower ranks, the military wing, um, a lot of those on the streets of, of Afghanistan, they want us out. And so 
That's why I think just as a de facto position, the Taliban said 831, that's it. Um, and I don't think that's going to change, by the way. And so, you know, I, I think we are stuck with this. Hey, Mark, with the, all of your CIA experience and, and with your intel experience that you've described, what do you think is going on on the ground right now that we're not being told, meaning the Eric Prince-type stuff to rescue folks? So, so I, I'd like to kind of separate that because Eric Prince is really not a reflection of what is a tremendous, you know, private sector effort. And when I say private sector, there's obviously you see you, you hear things about veterans groups, you know, former CIA, former uh, Special Operations Force, for, former regular military, who have gotten together what's called, you know, with this with this digital Dunkirk, and which is in essence just making contact with Afghans um, who, you know, who legitimately can, uh, you know, uh, do deserve to come to the United States the special immigrant visa holders, um, or, or African-Americans. And we're trying to put them in touch with, you know, U.S. Uh, folks on the ground to get them out. So that's, that's really, you know, a, a really, really critical piece of this. What I think that we're not hearing, and one of the things that disturbed me, you know, I was, I was a big critic of the Trump administration. And I was very supportive of Joe Biden. But, but I think there's been, a, you know, I, I, and this is really dismaying to me, some of the things coming out of the, the administration in terms of the press conferences don't match the reality on the ground. You know, Afghans cannot get to the airport. Afghan-Americans cannot get to the airport. You know, the Taliban are not allowing them to. And so I think, you know, they're, they're, what, is, what, is, what, what has bothered a lot of people is, you know, the, the, the kind of lack of transparency um, from the administration on this. And, and, and you really do see a bit of a crisis in the national security community. A lot of people who supported the Biden, you know, campaign and administration are really kind of taking pause right now because events on the ground is not matching with what we're hearing from uh from administration officials, and I think that's um, that's not good. And, and because you know, look, in my book, I always talk about you know uh, uh, the, the importance of integrity, honesty, um, you know, in dealing with crisis situations. You know, bad news doesn't get better over time. So I think the you know from the communication side, the administration could have done a lot better. Um, events on the ground are really difficult, uh, and and it's okay to level with the American people um, that this is really kind of a tough road ahead. This is Mark Polymeropoulos a former senior intelligence officer with the CIA whose book is called Clarity in Crisis. So what worries you most in terms of where we might be in just a couple of days or a week's time? So there's two things. You know, one, of course, is that we are going to leave behind the Afghan allies. Um, and, you know, and we actually might leave behind, you know, American citizens as well. And that's enormously problematic. But we, you know, we've kind of put ourselves in, in this box now. So that is a concern. Number two is, look, I, I worked counterterrorism my entire career, and there's no doubt that our threat posture is, is going to change. Now, you know, there's been, uh, you know, prison releases. I have a Farwan prison right outside of Bagram Air Base. Five to 7,000 Taliban and al-Qaeda were released by Taliban forces. Obviously, ungoverned spaces, you know, are, is not good in the counterterrorism world. We worry about this. So you have a medieval terrorist group, you know, in essence, taking over a country. So, you know, does that mean America is going to get attacked tomorrow? Of course not. But I think that you know, in ter- the counterterrorism professionals are going to look again at Afghanistan, you know, with some growing alarm over the next couple of months um, to see what groups do reconstitute. And at a time when the United States really wanted to pivot to, towards China, towards Asia, um, you know, what we call, you know, near peer competition, uh, I think we're going to have to, you know, put additional resources back on the counterterrorism problem. Um, and that's unfortunate. Do you believe there could be a Taliban 2.0 or having dealt with these individuals? Do you think that old habits die hard? So that's an outstanding question, and, and I'll tell you, look, I, I started my CIA career on the, on the Afghan desk in 1993. You know, I was on one of the teams that went into Afghanistan in early 2002 in Kandahar, and then again, I spent a year as a base chief. 
uh, in eastern Afghanistan 2011 to 2012. I know this group well. I do not believe there's such thing as a Taliban, Taliban uh, 2.0. I think they have a incredible, you know, social media and, uh, 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 you know, and press strategy, public relations strategy. So you're seeing some signs of moderation. But for the, those on the street and all the reports that I'm receiving from all over Afghanistan is that this is the same group in power, the same group that has subjugated women, um, that the same group that is, you know, has this draconian view uh, of, of justice and and I think that, you know, Afghanistan is, is going to go through some really hard times. I, I, I don't believe the Taliban crave or care for Western legitimacy. I don't think it matters to them. Uh, and so ultimately, you know, I, you know I, I think there's some wishful thinking going on. Now, look, we have to, have, you know, take a wait-and-see attitude. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I don't think I am. And so if the group moderated, you know, we'll see. Um, but I'm not really optimistic that, that, that that's the case. And so, you know, we have to have a lot of, uh, you know, close eyes and ears over the next couple of, you know, days, weeks, and months to see how they really treat their people, which is, of course, the biggest concern. Final subject area. You, you know the reports that say now there's concern that there could be an attack on the evacuation process initiated by ISIS-K. What thoughts do you have? So this is really serious. And, and you know, from everything that I hear on the ground, the people I talk to, um, you know, the light is blinking red. And, and so to me, that means that our collection on the ground, which is either human intelligence or signals intelligence, really does have some what we call actionable information. So when the, when, the, when the U.S. government is telling, you know, Americans, and in this case the Afghan-Americans who are trying to get out, when they're saying, you know, stay away from, uh, from the Hamid Karzai airport, stay away from the gates, that to me means actionable intelligence. That's a serious threat. And this is really in the planners, uh, you know, for our really brave men and women of the Department of Defense. This is a nightmare scenario. You know, we have U.S. forces on the ground helping, you know, innocent Afghans, you know, trying to escape. Uh, with a with a terrorist group about to 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 point you know point to take action, and so uh, I think it's real. I think it's true. It enormously complicates our efforts, um, and and you know I, I would obviously expect the intelligence community and the U.S. military doing everything possible to thwart those attacks. Okay, final question: Wipe the slate clean. We're having a beer. You have all this experience. I ask you, what do I most need to know about what I'm watching on my television set? You tell me what. I think what, what you need to know is that, is that it's important for the United States to, to you know, to uh, keep our commitments. And so, you know, when I go over, so when I went overseas, I spent my career as a CIA operations officer, meaning I worked with, you know, indigenous units, with foreigners. I mean, the forward, CIA is a forward-facing uh, uh, outfit. It's important that when we make commitments to, to our allies that we keep them. Uh, and this is not a criticism of this administration or the last administration. This is just, you know, a flat-out statement that for U.S. foreign policy to succeed, we have to be seen as credible. And so that's why I think this this what this matters, right? This, this really does matter right now, you know, getting as many of our, our Afghan friends uh, and allies out uh, because, you know, there's going to be future conflicts down the line. Uh, and I want my old, you know, my old outfit, CIA, to be able to go look others in the face and say, we will uphold our commitments to you. So this, this, this point in time does matter. Um, you know, uh, God bless the, you know, the men and women of the U.S. military, diplomatic corps, the agency who are out there on the front lines and all these private sector groups. Um, I still, you know, I still firmly believe in my heart America is a great and noble country, and uh, and and I think we'll ultimately we'll we'll do our best to do the right thing. So well, I, I hope s- we do have a beer sometime. Okay, well. I, I get the the last point that you make. By the way, is that whomever tomorrow is ju- doing the job that you had yesterday is going to have a tough road to hoe if we get yeah. out of there in the wrong circumstances. That's right, and people people have long memories, and so you know. And so, you know, if I was a CIA officer and, and you know, there was a, a future conflict with Iran, for example, you know, God forbid that happens, if that's true, and we had to work with, you know, indigenous groups inside Iran, 
the first thing they're going to say to me as a Seahawks on the ground is, we remember how you treated your Afghan allies. Why is this different with us now? And so, you know, ultimately, I think that, so it does matter. You know, our, our commitments, you know, it need to be binding. And so, you know, that's why I think it pains a lot of us, um, not only about, you know, what we've promised in the past on the moral side of it, but also as a practitioner of foreign policy, you know, how the United States treats its friends and allies is really important. Mark, I promise I will let you go after I just make this observation. David Leonhardt sure. in the New York Times today said, quote, the most salient failure of the Biden pullout is the apparent abandonment of thousands of Afghans who work closely with the U.S. and whom the Taliban may jail, abuse or kill. This is what you were just talking about. These allies have fought against the Taliban for years, served as translators for Americans and helped run civil society in Afghanistan. Many are understandably panicked. Something like 100,000 Afghans probably fall into this disparate category, so say the experts. Does that comport with your understanding of what's on the ground? We're talking about, you know, a college uh, D1 full capacity stadium group That's of right. people that we need to get out of there. That, that is exactly, you know, I, I put the number at 80. I think the New York Times had it at 100. That is my understanding. And that seems like a lot of people. But remember, again, it's, it's our allies and their families. We have to get the family members out as well. Right. Uh, because they, they would be subject to sanctions. So, you know, I, I completely agree with that. I think it's something that, you know, the American people really have to kind of, you know, contemplate and understand. And, and one last point as well. You know, these are, these are individuals who, who really saved the lives of, of certainly myself, my colleagues, and other my colleagues in the U.S. military. These are going to make good Americans. Uh, you know, and, and there's, the, you know, there, there is kind of this trend now, especially on the right, where people are starting to question, you know, the future loyalty of these, these Afghan refugees. Uh, I find that offensive because these are individuals who, who really, you know, were my brothers uh, in arms and who, who saved myself and my colleagues. And so, you know, I'd be happy to welcome them into my neighborhood. I live in northern Virginia. And, uh, and I think we really have to make that what a great point, point that these, these are yes. going to make great Americans. What a future. great point. Right. They, they shouldn't be looked at as those who are crossing the southern border with, without documentation. All right. I've overstayed my welcome with you. That was excellent. Your book is called Clarity in Crisis, Leadership Lessons from the CIA. The author, Mark Polymeropoulos. Thank you, Mark, so much for being here. Thanks. Great to be here. Thank you very much. What excellent insights to tee up a nice conversation with all of you. To his last point, by the way, here's an enormous story from Annie Carney. Resettlement of Afghan allies has revealed the latest GOP schism. The Republican Party is united in its criticism of President Biden's chaotic military withdrawal from Afghanistan. But the crisis has also exposed a deep internal divide between party leaders over relocation of Afghan refugees at home. Many Republican lawmakers have accused the Biden administration of abandoning the Afghan interpreters and guides who helped the United States during the war, leaving thousands of people in limbo. But others, including former President Donald Trump and Representative Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader, have sought to fold the issue of Afghan refugees into the anti-immigrant stance of the party's far right. What a shame it would be, I say, if they were successful. The Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right... 
former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.